Hello and welcome to the third episode of The Modern Method. I am one of your hosts, Kane. This is Jesse. It is just going to be the two of us again today. And I think the topic that we're going to discuss, I think we're going to get into that in a minute because I want to bitch about how much lumber costs for a second. What's that? Sorry, I didn't hear you for a second. Uh, God, I said I'm going to bitch about how much lumber costs for a second. Oh, don't, don't even give me. Oh, man. I am redoing my cabinets and I just bought one shelf. Well, I bought wood for one shelf. It's not even cut. It was just like a 48 inch piece. Okay. And they wanted $18 for it. And it's unfinished, untreated wood. That's. And I want to kill myself for it. Yeah, that, the, the, lum the lumber thing's a little ridiculous. I don't know what it is. I don't know why lumber is that much money. Do they not have workers to go like Get it? I think that might. I think that might be the biggest issue that they're not. They're not telling us. Well, I don't know if it has to do with like just not having people in wherever it is that they get the wood from anymore, or if shipping got like stalled or something, or like what what the problem is. Is yeah, why it's we, that much? Well, I, I know that they're where, building a ton. I don't know where the clog is in the chain. You know, the pipeline of this lumber, really. I know that they are building a ton. I mean, like, it's like every other day there's a new apartment building going up here somewhere. Oh, that's like out here. Like, there's so many new developments. Even, um, you know, our route road there just before, um, what's that called? Lorraine. Yeah. Out here. Remember that uh, one house? The guy had, like, the old Fords in the back. Yeah. And the rest of it was corn. Development now. Oh, stuff. I know. Yeah, they, no, they've been doing that for. So, I, I mean, I feel like it's not a new thing, though. I feel like it's just been going on for a long time. Yeah. So I just, I don't know where the disconnect is, but all I know is I'm real pissed because I don't, <laughs> don't want to have to take out a second mortgage to redo the, not even redo the cabinets. I'm literally just putting in new shelves because the yeah. shelves are from 1986. They're like particle board pressed, which means now they're flaking and disintegrating. Like, well, just, be just, lucky. Got, just be lucky you don't have the humidity that's out here because they'd already be expanded like about this much already. <laughs> oh, they would be gone. They would be just like this. <laughs> And, they, and they're the types of shelves that have like those that film over top of it to make it look like it's marble, but it isn't. <laughs> I don't even know why you would do that. Number one, marble wouldn't be a shelf. Right, like at least like do a hardwood or something. Let's, like, let's be practical here. Well, some of them also put flowers. And they just smell so bad, so I've just been doing that. So not to get <laughs> too into my life, but <laughs> that's sort of what I'm dealing with right now. Oh, before we do start this discussion, I do have to say... I think it's from root all the way to 57. They're done with construction on Center Ridge there. North Ridgeville. Cool. There's no cones, nothing. Like, just two lanes now and everything. Like, you know, oh. four lanes on each side. I'm glad they finished it a year after I moved. <laughs> That's beautiful. That road was under construction so long, it could buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so is this one here. The gap between... Colorado Springs in Denver has been being built for 12 years. And it's oh, so it's like a turnpike here. Um, and we're still only at two lanes. There isn't one section of it that's opened up to be more than that. Well, actually, it's funny to kind of tie this in on what our discussions, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later with logistics. Funny thing happened with um, one of our FedEx, I don't know if it was a FedEx driver. No, it wasn't. Jesse works at a uh, terminal. For FedEx, I don't know if anybody knows that. Yeah, I'm, I, uh, I'm, a, um, I'm actually a supervisor at uh, FedEx Freight in Cleveland here. 
Okay, so that's why he's all weird about FedEx. And <laughs> no, like um, I don't know. I, I don't remember the actual story of it. I'd have to look this up. I don't know if it's one of our driver, like a FedEx driver, or another driver. But there was a um, trailer that caught on fire on a uh, turnpike, and it's out by I think it's out by like Sandusky area where they're working on it right now. So it's two lanes of traffic, and it's the split. Where this track, okay. this trailer, this tractor, this trailer caught on fire, I should say. What was in it? I don't think there was like any hazardous material to my knowledge. But I don't know if it was like the brake, like his brakes was locked up on this trailer or whatnot. I don't know the entire story. This is what I've just been told by a few drivers and like, you know, some of the managers and I've got, I got emails on it, obviously, because I'm a supervisor now and I'm also part of uh, the yard safety committee thing because, well, I'm not even really part of it. I just help enforce you know what the new policies are for okay. safety because that's our biggest priority yeah nobody cares <laughs> what <laughs> i said nobody cares go on but anyways so with that construction traffic was backed up for like two miles and they were trying yeah. to get and they were trying to get fire trucks in there how do you get that in there especially if the highway split like that dude trucking has been so fucked up recently i, I mean there's got to be definitely and, and i don't work in this but there has to be definitely an influx of like just workload that's over the last year year and a half that you think wouldn't necessarily be there but trucking and just like um shipping in general no matter what it is like what mode of transportation you use has got to just be so bogged down it's ridiculous oh like, i was telling you out here we had that big mudslide yeah. There's 12, this is western, northwestern Colorado. There is 12 feet of mud covering Interstate 70. Yeah. And it has I'm now sure created. I'm pretty sure that's still the same interstate that runs through Columbus, I believe. It does, because it comes up through, it, go, it cuts Ohio in half. Yeah. Horizontally. Yeah. Yeah, it goes through, it comes horizontally through Ohio, through Columbus, kind of fears up a little bit, and it goes through Wheeling, then it hits PA. Right, and then it's the, the other way. It's going through Indianapolis and shit. Um, right. So just take it twelve hundred miles the other way, and now all of a sudden there is a four-hour detour because you can't use the road because it's a yeah. mudslide. Well, that, that's what I was. Um, we were talking about a few nights ago. Um, it was, I think, it was last year. A bridge um, down. It was, I think, it was crossing the Ohio River, or one of the rivers just inside of Kentucky. On our for obviously for FedEx, our route to. Um, or I think our national, no, yeah, our Nashville hub. And the bridge went out, like, it, I don't know if caved in or what, which I'm thinking the bridge might have made of wood. I don't know. <laughs> but it, that was like a three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour detour. And that's only through the Appalachians. I can only imagine, like, going through the Rockies, like that, like you said, a four-hour detour. It might be more than that. Right. I mean, just flat-out not happening. I mean, the, the reason that the interstate is there is so that you don't use other roads. I mean, there's anything out there. Right, like normal roads would deal with mudslides, not the highway. <laughs> Trucking is just one of those things, and I think to the transportation in general, maybe not like public transportation or anything, but well, maybe, well, maybe not, um, <laughs> is one of those things that's just sort of recession-proof, no matter how you put it, or even pandemic-proof, because things need to get to people and get around places. Oh, yeah. Well, and I've always been told, especially like, you know, when we were in the heart of the pan, like when the pandemic first hit and everything, Everyone was worried about the economy, and I forget. I think it was MSNBC or CNN. They had a segment like, "If you really want to look at how the economy is doing, look at the trucking industry." Right. Well, I mean, that's 
it's indicative of how the economy is performing, I guess. But at the same time, I mean, just because the tracking the tracking industry is always going to be doing, yeah. Well. I mean, that's and that's the the running joke we always have is um, you know another great day to move America. Which I mean, long story short, I mean that's technically what logistics is all about to keep this country moving to get products from point A and point B from point A to point B. Right, and so much shit is still reliant on on actual trucks. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing, like, you know, ever, people would be like, oh, the trucking industry is going to die, blah, blah, blah. Well, how else are you going to get all your shipments to your Walmarts, your, your Walmarts, your, you know, Amazon warehouses, your Target, you know, all your retails, the food industry, and the refrigerated units, like, you need to get places, you know, you need to get supplies for these restaurants and these businesses. What's staffing like right now? Like, is it hard to actually get people to stay employed with that stuff? <sighs> Or at least in your perspective from your, like, experience. My perspective, and that's the funny thing, like, how I got my, it's actually kind of funny how my, how I got my, my new, my promotion is with supervisors, there's so much turnover in Cleveland because we have, we, we're under a microscope in the company because we move more freight than anybody east of the Mississippi and, our, and FedEx freight. So with that being said, there's a lot of turnover because let's say you're a supervisor for, I don't know, four or five years. You can easily get a promotion as an operations manager to slowly start moving up the chain at another center, let's say in, I don't know, like Little Rock, Arkansas. And with that being said, a lot of people, especially in our company, see that oh you're from cleveland well you have seen so are you saying right are you saying that turnover is high because they go other places yeah for the supervisors yeah like the okay. management positions yes there's but i mean for dock workers i mean for someone who's workers, like either part-time or just loading up and that's enough that's a whole other discussion the fedex's business model with surprisingly we don't have as much turnover now on the dock i just i just think because everybody's you know even though everything's is it full like is it fully staffed at least that's one of the things that i sort of get curious about we i think we have 50 tow motors so yeah we have we're just about fully staffed but we're also bringing in like one or two new hires because that's usually our turnover right somebody for a better job or somebody quits just stuff like that it's not like what it was like two, three months ago where we had a hiring spree and we, at one point we had, I think six or seven new hires in the dock with people getting, you know, and people training them, which in the long run, well, in the short run, it helps, you know, that span of time, like that three weeks to a month, the new people are training, it slows down our production and, you know, initially, you know, we miss, we miss some gates, we're late. Right. But it's, an, it's that's the nature of the beast. You're going to get that all across the board in any trucking company. Right. But the part-time dock workers, that's where the, a lot of the turnover comes around. Most of, most of your full-time guys will stick it out. And either, like, in my case, I was a full-time and I got a promotion to be in, in supervision. Other guys may go to, like, a, you know, like an Amazon or something, which actually we lost a few supervisors to Amazon. 
Yeah, there's a new center that just opened up here that's actually right by where I'm at because it's right next to the airport. And by the way, this airport, Jesse, next time you come out here, you have to use this airport because it is it is one gate. It is one exit. It looks like a park when you go in there, but it services 450,000 people. So you get in there and it's just, it's one road that goes up there. There, It's not like it's by airplane or anything like it was before where you would go pick somebody up at their gate. Yeah. It's one exit. And I went there to go pick up um, my friend who came out to help with the cabinets. And I was next to the door. I just Absolutely. pulled up next to the door. There he is. It's one big awning and then there's a big parking lot. And it, and it looks like a pavilion, like you were going to the park. It is amazing. But then there's also that, um, there's an Amazon fulfillment center that's got to be like 30 acres big inside. Well, yeah. And that's like even... Um... What was it back in uh, a few, uh, not even, oh yeah, almost a month ago when uh, I, uh, I I dipped my toes in the water and see, you know, to see what, what was out there. And I saw that spot out, out by you in Springs. Well, and they're hiring for so much. It literally just went up. Yeah. And that was like a brand new center and everything. And I'm thinking, man, that dock's probably heated, which I mean, it, in the long run, it doesn't make the biggest difference, but at least for like a few minutes, you can stay underneath that heater while you're putting your bills and you're not in the tray for the train. Right. 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 I don't know how they work. There are all these videos of like inside the Amazon fulfillment centers because blah, 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 and everybody bitches about it because I, I guess the workers are like overworked or treated unfairly or something. That, I've been hearing that so much about Amazon. and But like, I don't know if that means that like it's people that didn't know what to expect. So, because, like, the whole thing right now is, and this is why I was talking about turnover and how, like, staffed trucking is and everything as it relates to the economy, because so many people are out of work, and no one wants, and nobody wants to work in food service or anything, and and that's, I mean, honestly, somebody who did that for a little while, it's shitty, it sucks, it's the Oh, yeah, and and that's the other thing, too, like, a lot of people aren't realizing it, that the service industry out of everything right now, it's probably hurting the most. And well, again, it is, but just because nobody's working, not, but I mean... A lot of it's not great. I understand that. Right. But but when you're getting a check for however much every month, it, you know, it makes it hard to go back to work. And, right. I, and that's obviously the popular excuse or the popular opinion as to why these places aren't staffed or anything like that. And now we're seeing McDonald's is not 24 hours anymore in a lot of places because they just don't have people to work for it. Yeah, not that you need to get a burger or two in the morning. And the other one is I've always believed in that um, the trades are another one that's also hurting because well, they're skilled too. So like the thing is, and this is what I want to talk about, like with as far as the health of the economy, yes, there are a lot of jobs out there. Yet um, I was trying to find the right statistics and I was finding around 20 million people lost totally lost their jobs last year, which mm. means that there should be a bunch of vacancies. But we're talking also probably skilled labor that yeah. takes experience to do. And that's not what the jobs are that are out there. So there are tons of jobs that you could go have. There, there's not really much of an excuse for people to be homeless right now. There, right. It's never been easier to be excused for not being able to afford a house on top of not having one. So for places like in Colorado Springs or Denver where unemployment or homelessness really is just huge. And a lot of people choose to do it. There are towns where you're just allowed, not towns, there are areas where you're allowed to just camp 
And if you want to do that, that's fine. I don't consider that homeless. But there are actual people that don't, you know, that either have issues of something and then don't have anywhere to go. But there are all of these jobs that are still paying like 20 bucks an hour. Oh, yeah. Well, that's like, um, like with us, like new drivers and new dock workers, like especially even part-time dock workers. We're, I've, I don't know if we still are, but I know for a while there we were starting brand new hires, drivers and dock workers at top rate. Which because we couldn't get people in. Which was how much? I forget how much the drivers were, but I knew like part-time dock. And that's the thing, before everything hit, if you were a new hire, part-time dock worker, you, you start out at 16 something. I forget the exact number. Which in 2019 had to be good. Yeah. And you would progress after your first year. You know, you get raises every, I think it was like three months or something. Yeah. So after your first year, you're already making $20 an hour. Right. On top of, you know, there would be like an annual raise. You get a bonus twice a year. Like, well, the thing is, is now people are starting out somewhere where there's not a lot of responsibility for $4 more. Yeah. And, and they're just and, they're just creating like this gap to where, I mean, there's a huge need for people with skills right now. Oh, yeah, that's, every, that's across the board, not even just in trucking. It's right. everywhere. I mean, that's everywhere. And a lot of that is going to end up being things like IT and cybersecurity and things like that, as, especially as things go more remote. Put, oh, like, yeah. like, put it this way. <clears throat> Remember in May, the Colonial Pipeline had that huge hack that shut down all of their operations, period. That company is like 60 years old. And in one day, they just had to completely shut down because someone hacked them and started yeah. asking money. Like, how does that happen? Like, the demand for those types of jobs is just going to be through the roof. And they're jobs that people don't, they're jobs for skills that people don't have. And oh, yeah. what's the incentive to go ahead and go to school and do that if you can make just as much money doing something else? Now, obviously, if you're in cybersecurity, you're going to make way more than 20 bucks an hour. Oh, yeah, especially, especially nowadays, because, like, even with us, like, we're slowly getting to the point where we're going to be almost paperless. Like, right. doc bills, you know, all of our reports that we send in, you know, for, like, what we held, like, you know, what was held, you know, what's, you know, like, we have a, uh, a area on our dock. It's, like, I think it's, we call it's it's like Bay 126 or something. Yeah. And that's where like all of like the uh the chemical like the chemical spills go and whatnot. So like companies come pick them up, blah, blah, blah. And with that, other than you know, printing out a piece of paper to making sure everything's there, everything's done wireless. Right. Well, and so trucking is also unique because there's not ever gonna be well, I shouldn't say never. Admin-wise, you could probably get away working remote to an extent. Like, people in the like offices that manage, even, um, maybe even logistics, like, professionals that plan, like, routes and stuff like that and how things well, um, end up getting to you could do that from home. Um, but... Yes and no, like, like... The office part of it, like all the billing and whatnot, that's that one's weird because especially like most of your billers, they have to see the actual product. Because like sometimes like we'll have you know 
people from the office coming down like you know city dispatch talking like hey what's this you know what what's this bill you know what you know what's trying to think what's this bill waiting is this done right blah 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 right and sometimes they have to come out on the dock and see it especially like if we have people come to pick up like a kid or something Ooh, excuse me or um like another company like let's say we actually picked up some of their freight we have to bill all of that but you can do out. but you can do a lot of that by not being there yeah, yeah somebody will have to be there at the end of the day somebody's gonna have to be there but the people that make jobs on the ground possible like that can can do it from not there so i mean i guess there would be a, like a hybrid model to it but yeah, um especially in that in my industry yeah if you're going to make it successful, you have, there's going to have to be some kind of hybrid. So you had some interesting facts about um, technology and logistics just in general. Yeah. One second. But yeah, like, I don't know, I'll, um, let's see. I'll, I'll just start with this one. And this is, I'm, I'm definitely quoting this. It says, new right. and developing technologies will have a big impact on logistics in the next 10, 15 years. Specifically, driverless trucks, UAVs, unmanned aerial vehicles. So, like, I know Amazon's been dabbling with, like, the drone idea and, like, a lot They've of... They've been into that for a while. Yeah, even, like, a lot of the home deliveries. Like, I get it. The companies are trying to be, you know, cost-efficient and not have bodies, but at the same time... Well, they're also trying to do it fast. I mean, they're talking two hours, same day. Well, and that's why delivering lot, groceries. Yeah, and that's why, like, especially with us, like, we're one of the better trucking companies out there because we do everything right. We do everything, you know, we secure everything. We make sure everything looks good because, like, we have this thing called LTC. It's called Last Clear. So I can close a trailer full of, um, I'm trying to think one of our big accounts. Uh, and that everybody would know. Um, like our big accounts are like Sag Saginaw cabinets, which I found out those are stupid expensive and they're electrical panel cabinets and other metal cabinets. Yeah. I never knew it was a multi-million dollar company you know, industry. But then like Swage Lock is huge right now across the country. Right. So that's like two, two, two of our bigger accounts. Then we also have a Granger, which is... Basically, all your construction, warehouse, anything in the manufacturing industry, per se, supplier. Right. Well, I mean, Granger even makes a lot of, like, mounting, mounting accessories and stuff like that. Yeah, like, like it's, they're, like, a universal, like, this construction manufacturing supplier. Right. So, like, you get a trailer full of that, and the crazy thing is how we do it. Everyone's like, oh, why do you guys use puffs? Why don't you use 53-footers? Well... To make everything easier, let's say I have six, six, seven bills going to, let's say, Milwaukee. Right. And if I can catch all that Milwaukee freight, even if it's like seven bills for like, I don't know, 15 grand, which, by the way, if none of you guys know, like, the logistics ends, like, in the trucking industry, you can send that as direct. Number one, the hub doesn't have to touch it. And if they do, they're just going to add more freight to that Milwaukee trailer, fill it up, shut it down, take it down the road the next for the next, you know, to get get to Milwaukee. I think it's Milwaukee, maybe next day. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on okay. that. Well, right. right. So, anyways, 
with that being said, like the technology of it now, because a lot of people, they've been in a lot of, a lot of companies have been ex- and it's not even just trucking companies, like a lot of manufacturers, like the trucks, like Kenworth, Peterbilt, Volvo, they've been, a lot of them have been experimenting with driverless trucks. Right. Which actually, just before we, we got on, I was watching a video where in Europe, they're planning on doing one drive, one person driving, three other trucks behind him, and he's pulling a 53-footer, and those three other trucks behind him mimic every move he does. Oh, so they just follow. It's like remote controlling them while you're also driving one. It's a remote control convoy. That's awesome. I wonder how that is going to, like, practically work. Do they actually have those that are working? I, I don't know. I've just only seen model, models of it. You said Volvo was doing that? Or just I don't know. It was, people it, was, it was somewhere in Europe. I forget the um, name of the um, logistics company that was toying with that. But like, That's crazy. Which realistically, thinking about it, if you put it in the big picture, if they can do it with 53-footers, eventually they're going to they're gonna be able to do it with sets of pot. Right. Which is well, I mean, I, you would think that would be easier. Yes and no. Triples would be a little tricky because you do have the three. Tra- you have the three trailers. Well, if oh, you mean if it was just one? If it was one automated machine pulling three trailers that were connected, right. but not independent. It could, be, it could be four trucks with you know four trucks with three trail three trailers on them. That's twelve trailers, and the front one you know is controlling everything. Right. And triples get really squirrely because I don't know if a lot of you guys know this. But when you see those sets of trailers on the turn on the highway, the two trailers that the semis are pulling, you don't realize that back trailer, you could be going in a perfectly straight line. A slight gust of wind, that back trailer is doing this. Right. So imagine that on a third trailer, you have a little bit more control on that second one now since you have some weight behind it, but that third one's doing the same thing. I wonder what – well, yeah, but then it would have to have its own – they should probably have their own independent like systems to where. Well, and they do. They have dollies. That's how you hook up all the sets. No, I mean that are electronic. So that if if the front is not being driven by a person, so it's not able to necessarily compensate for that. Although technically it should. They should have sensors on the rear one so that the front one knows what's happening and it can try to finish things. And, and you keep up with that. Right. But if the trailers had their own like drive trains, at least the rear ones, so that they could compensate for something like that easier. But that would make it way too expensive. It would, but I mean, it would be a lot safer. Yeah. If the caboose was just... And that's the biggest thing, especially in logistics, especially, uh, well, not even logistics, really, the trucking company. The biggest thing you have to preach is safety because it is kind of a dangerous job at sometimes. Well, I mean, at that point, if nobody's on it, the safe, I mean, the safety would come in the aspect of saving the freight. Right. Then you're not paying as much drive, you know, you're paying less drivers. You have one that controls one, maybe, you know, and one driver that controls two to three different tractors. Number one, you're saving money on drivers. Number two, freight's still moving. Um, one of the things I know that Tesla has been working on, and they unveiled their cyber, it, was, it wasn't cyber truck, it was their their semi-truck. They're all electric semi-truck. Yeah. Is, is anybody else doing anything about that? Like Hispedics talked about buying those or anything or... Me personally, I haven't really haven't heard anything. I don't think that he's talked about anything to do with automation. Like, no, 
it still requires a driver. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah. I wonder, I wonder when those things are going to start happening. But even think about it too, like they've been talking about it with ride sharing services and stuff. Like Uber's been talking about doing that forever. And then going back into the idea of like different jobs that they're going to need. It's going to be all stuff that now it's not, I mean, they find out they don't even have people to drive regular cars anymore. I don't know what it's like in and around Cleveland. I don't know if you like actually Uber or anything ever. I know you DoorDash a lot. And DoorDashing also is like, well, we'll be there. We can have it within maybe the next couple hours or something, but we have to find somebody anymore. That yeah. stuff, they've never paid well anyways, though. They don't really, I mean, they're, they do over like what? They do over a billion a year now, I think DoorDash does. I think it's something like that. And at least driving for, driving for Lyft, and I want to say I did that 2018, maybe a little bit earlier than that. I think it was like the spring. You don't make shit doing that. Like, it's not really a side job because you might get money up front, but mm -hmm. taxes are also weird on that if you've made over a certain amount and you have to drive so much for it. And especially anymore with gas being so ridiculous. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't really noticed prices increasing. But you know what? I don't take it enough to know that either. Right. That, that, well, I, the, the funny thing is I still have yet to Uber. You've never used Uber before? Have you, but you've used Lyft? You've never used anything? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, no one's going to come pick you up way the hell out there anyhow. Well, that and a lot of it is, like, especially anymore now, like, it's a lot, I, I personally think, I've always thought it's a lot safer to have a DD. Well, you're is, well, I mean, it is, it is safer, but at the same time, you know, you're not spending the money on an Uber or a Lyft. Well, then it's just about the money. But... I mean, because they are the DD. It's the same thing. Well, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, they are, but, yeah. you know. I don't know. But anyway, so got a little off track there for a second. Right. Well, anyway, so, I mean, we're talking about that skills gap. We're talking about the different advancements in technology that influence trucking and logistics really as a whole. And you really see how, much, how big of an impact that makes when something like that block in the Suez Canal happens. When well, yeah. Well, like, the other one I can say and um i mentioned this to you a few days ago was um back in march with that uh, big snowstorm shut down the south well, right yeah when everything froze up and then just shit just stopped working i mean even like everything was affected by that even people didn't have power because the windmills didn't have coolant in them like the right coolant they just had straight up water yeah well and that's like with like for us like and then ted cruz goes to mexico <laughs> but but like with us, like we had, I think it was, I think it was in our Columbus hub. No, Columbus and Dayton, because that's like our bit, our main like hubs that run. Like Dayton is like Southwest, West Coast. Columbus is the South, and even Youngstown, a lot of it runs to Florida. Right. Well, we couldn't get through to anything, so we had. I, I know in Columbus for a fact we had like two to almost three million pounds of freight just sitting in trailers. We couldn't move. Right. And the biggest issue we had was we were running out of trailers. Well, some of these trailers, if they needed, we call them PMs, needed personal maintenance. You can do, you can do the per personal maintenance with freight and trailers. 
because you're not opening the trailer, you're not breaking the seal, nothing. Right. You're just making sure the tires are good, you know, the frame, everything. You don't, you don't physically have to get inside of the trailer unless the trailer's jacked up. Right. And the biggest question we all had, especially in Cleveland, because we were still moving stuff, like Fremont, Toledo, we could still run west with those guys because, well, number one, Fremont has majority of the Pacific Northwest. They're used to it. They're used to that. <laughs> right. But, like, going into the south, it's like, why can't we at least get some of this close to it to get the pressure off of the, you know, the hubs we have in more or less northeast and the Midwest? So we can still – there's still some cycle there. But then when everything reopens, then you start trickling it back down and not – well, they like doing it, doing this for those who are, like, smacking us with everything. <laughs> right. But just start trickling it down so the process becomes smoother and you're not, you know, people aren't waiting for eight, for two, three weeks now. Right. And you start slowly trickling that. It makes the process a lot faster. Not all the rip, but then it starts, you know, it's it's kind of like a domino effect. Once you start one, two, then the whole thing starts right. falling into place. You know what's one thing? I saw this video actually um, a few days ago that it, this has to do with, like shipping and climate change. Mm -hmm. um, the way the China ships stuff right now, like especially when it goes to Europe, is it has to go down on ships, actual ships, I mean. It has to go down and around like the Pacific Ocean, the Indian Ocean, and go back up to the Suez Canal to get in there and stuff. And that's like, I think they said like a 30, 40 day trip oh, well, for, for their boats to go through. And, they're, um, and they were talking about how obviously like climates are shifting. So it's getting warmer more north as it goes. Yeah. And traditionally, historically, Russia's not been able to use any of their sea line. But especially, come, the especially their northern one, because well, that's what I'm saying. Like going all the way up over it, it's all frozen. Like you can't get through it. Yeah. But now that the climate is shifting and it's warming that area up more, ice is sticking around a lot less often. And eventually it will expand. And there will be this shipping channel then where ice, where the water never freezes. And then Russia and China, but Russia doesn't really produce that much over there, I don't think, because all theirs is over the other area. But China will be able to use that waterway then to circumnavigate Asia so that they don't have to go down through the bottom. And I think it takes like a, like I said, that 40 day trip down to like 18. Yeah. It's still a really long way. It's not like it's short, but it's shorter. And it's a new shipping way that they've never been, you know, been able to use before. And right. you can also get that. Well, I guess if you wanted to get it into can, I was going to say, you could just go over the top to get to somewhere else. But that's basically what they're doing. I'm thinking about looking at it on the 2D map. But if you take it and it's, a, you know, and Europe's here and China's basically right there, it's really just going like this instead. Right. Instead of all that. I just thought yeah. that was really cool to think about that they're like the new modes of transport, not modes of transportation, but new shipping routes are opening up because of climate change like that. Well, yeah. And then, like, the other thing is, um, I'm going to take a little bit more of this, uh, this quote. It says, internationally as well across the supply chain, integrators will become more important. Non asset based providers will become more successful and automated in bringing together diverse partners like air ocean carriers, customs, truckers, railroads, and more, and more to simply global shipping for the average business. Also, leveraging supply chain data 
will be increasingly important in driving efficiency and minimizing the carbon footprint. Right. But you and I have talked about that even we had that wild idea about opening up a restaurant mm. and you know using less beef and start you know start down well not even necessarily less beef I think the idea was raising it differently. Yeah because then I don't even know what you have to do with the mass just like if you had a, like if excuse me a lot of some of these restaurants I feel like you don't have to use like commercial beef supply where I feel like if you use, you know, smaller beef suppliers, like even local farmers, some of these, you know, some of these farmers even out here have 50 to 70 head of cattle. Right. Well, the idea is having it local. It's, it's doing things in the environment where it makes sense, wherever you live at. I mean, where yeah. I live, we still don't have, I mean, we have seafood here, but you really shouldn't be eating any of it. Right. It's I mean, not it's like, not a natural uh, thing to have here. Well, it's not like here where you, you can pull a freaking tuna out of the Atlantic Ocean <laughs> in two days. It's in Cleveland. Right. Well, you're just not that far from it. I mean, you also, then you also have your own fresh lakes. Yeah. Then you have, you know, Lake Erie, you have perch, walleye, catfish, white lake bass. Fish. Like you just have right. natural resource. Like for me, half hour up the road. Right. Well, and that's different. I mean, it does suck. I do wish that I could have fresh, nice fish here, but at the same time, I'm not going to pay for it. And I'm also, not going to buy fake fake stuff like that. I mean, you just well, take your do, liberties where you can get them and it's not that. I do take that uh, trip to Key West and do deep sea fishing and I'll just ship some to you know, <laughs> Key West. <laughs> right. I mean, that'd be awesome. Um, but it, yeah, but at the same time, it's like... For so. that point, if you're all right with being on a boat, then we can go, we can do some deep sea fishing. We both fill our freezers up. <laughs> no, I am totally fine doing that. Um, I'll just throw up a couple times. <laughs> so, and just for everybody's record, it's thirty percent not from the drinking. Thirty <laughs> percent, right? Exactly. Uh, I was just looking to marinate them, so you just get it right out like that. Right? Yeah. Um, talking about, um, I looked this up not too long ago, so when we're talking about the health of the economy and stuff like that, like post-pandemic and how it looks and everything, obviously everybody took a huge slump last year as far as like GDP. Yeah. So the U.S. is still still top dog by a big margin. Um, and I know China lies about everything. I don't understand how they could still have outdone themselves from the year prior. They're not saying they did it by a lot, but they're saying that they did it. But we're also talking about a place that said that the pandemic's not a thing there anymore. They just say they don't have any new cases after March of 2020. They just, they have 12,000, that's it. I would like to know what those real numbers are. We're never going to know that. But um, when you, and our GDP went down, I think, by like a trillion and a half or something, but theirs supposedly went up. So when it comes to like cyber security and stuff like that, there's also going to be a huge demand, I think, for jobs for the government that have to do with like, I want to say ethical hacking so that we can hack ourselves to try to learn from that, but also like cyber just warfare in general is going to spike. So when we look at things like what happened with the pipeline, yeah. that is such a real thing that just cut off. We're talking about um, a place that made or, or delivered like two and a half million barrels of oil a day. Yeah. That's the volume that they were doing in a place 
that has one of the richest deposits of oil, you know, which is the United States. Right. Which I think is actually, a, was a really good strategic move to not dig into ours immediately and try to get them from somewhere else so that we could deplete somebody else's supply faster. But then that make that throws it into a whole thing and then that's another awesome. Uh, and yeah, that is a totally another rabbit hole we can go into. <laughs> right. But the, um, but the world's most valuable currencies are still Middle Eastern currencies. Let me, oh, I don't think that I can switch my screen right now. Yeah, the, the Kuwaiti, um, what do they call it? Kuwait's currency right now is the most valuable currency. Hmm. And after that is somebody else and then Oman. We're, um, and this is all ahead of the dollar is like number 10. So when you look up a list of like the 10 most valuable currencies, the dollar is actually the least, the least most valuable currency. And the Great British Pound is still up there too, but that's just because they're better at money than we are. Um, but we also do a lot more. So we saturate the market with everything. Considering, yeah. I mean, if you want to consider the fact that our GDP is so high, you would think that that would mean, well, our dollar's worth more. And it does to a degree, but I think that it's not necessarily like, I don't think that they're linear. Okay. Just because one goes up doesn't mean the other one does. Because then you have just so much currency and just floating around. Right. And it's not a very good fiscal policy to have that much. So I want to say with the Omani Rial, they only have a few, like, 100 million floating around. Hmm. Just not that much. So anyways, um, but that doesn't mean that we're winning in every aspect of, like, of GDP, when you look at GDP by the purchasing power parity, which is like how much buying power your your currency actually has. So like when you take relative um, items like a Big Mac in each in each economy, and um, and compare prices for like all the all the ingredients and stuff like that, that is how you register purchasing power parity. And China's actually been ahead of us by like ten trillion dollars. So. I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing that they are inching ahead of us. I mean, it's a bad thing in the way that we don't like them and they're dangerous people and they obviously don't want what's best for us. Right. But, but I mean, I wonder what the implications of that are in the first place. Yeah. Of them not doing us. I mean, we have such a, you know, ability to be self-sustainable and we rely on them for so much. That's one of the things that I really did like about Trump was that he was pro bringing manufacturing and stuff back to America. Now that doesn't mean that I'm pro coal mining. It doesn't mean that I'm pro all no, the I things. Feel like that if we're going to bring manufacturing stuff. back, it's going to have to be green. It has to. Well, right. And there's nothing wrong with that. The way that he was doing it was not progressive at all and wasn't helpful. Yeah, like, we, like, dude, we, we can't go in reverse about this. Like, we can't go back to coal mining, you know, and like, well, and that's what he wanted to do because that's his base. Those are the people that got him into office in the first place. Now that it didn't come from a bad, um, from like a malicious intent or anything like that. I no, don't yeah, think but, so. but no, at the same time, it's like, yeah, like don't get me wrong, coal's a great resource, but there are so many other resources. Well, it's also non-renewable. Right. You don't just get that back. At the end of the day, if if things like that weren't um, harmful to the environment, 
it still isn't sustainable because you're still going to run out of it. Well, yeah, and there's a lot of different things you can use, uh, you know, as a, there's a lot of different ways for to make manufactured power that's a renewable resource. Hydropower is a great one, example, yeah. especially for like a lot of the power plant, like electrical plants around the, the country. Obviously, some parts of the country, like I'll buy you, you guys don't have like the, um, the water pressure that, what is, I, I, can't, I forget the name of the, that power plant, but it's the one up in Niagara. Yeah. And you literally have two great lakes dumping into each other. Right. That is ridiculous. And that could probably, I mean, I don't know how many, how much that powers, but probably. I think it's, a good, it's a good chunk of the East Coast. Yeah. And that's just between two great lakes. But we're also talking about the biggest water flows in the country. Right. And I think there's the nothing like that. I mean, there's barely any. I mean, first of all, there's barely any water anymore, anyways, because now we're going into a drought. Right. Everything is on fire, and that's a whole different discussion. Right. But that's like, I think the only other like water source other than the Great Lakes you can maybe do that with is the Mississippi. That's maybe. You can do it with like the Mississippi. Well, you would have to, you'd still have to build dams and stuff. You'd still have to build like channels for it to narrow to build up so that yep. it could give the same effect, which, which means you're going to take the water level down. Which majority of that river is about to be saturated with that hurricane that's about to hit. Yeah, I know, right? You, it's a Cat 4 right now? When it, They I said it's supposed to hit Louisiana. It's supposed to be a Cat 4. It's supposed to be worse than Katrina. Oh, God. So this, this episode is probably coming out after it falls, unless we push it. Unless we push but no, the crazy thing with that is... is um, I was watching the projections this morning on uh, CBS and the storm surge is only supposed to be 15 feet, which is almost half of what it was during Katrina. But the scarier thing is the winds are supposed to be 140 miles an hour compared to, uh, I think it was like 122. Oh God. So here's the thing. I feel obviously really, really bad. Just terrible for everybody that has to deal with that. That's awful. People are going to die. It's a disaster. Oh, it's not happened yet. Well, and the unfortunate thing is it's happening during a global pandemic. Right. And the hospitals are just be saturated with just people. So it's like total apocalypse altogether. You know what? The other thing, one thing that I keep hearing um, like news about is that hospitals are overrun again. And I understand, I'm not trying to say that COVID is not responsible for that. I'm not trying to say that COVID doesn't contribute to having not like not having the ability to take care of people but at the same time aren't hospitals like almost always at max capacity because that's the idea behind the business aspect of it yeah. they're not there to be empty and wait for people to come in because they are private businesses it's there to make money not really necessarily to help you i mean it's there to help you but right. it's first there to make money so when you go to spec out a new hospital or something like that and you do surveys of the areas that you're putting them in, you do the bare minimum. It is max capacity. How much can we get away with? Let's have five extra beds. Let's have 10 extra beds. So you're going to be at 80% the entire time. Right. So overrunning them with patients is not that hard. No. Now, they should have their shit together in places like the Gulf Coast where that stuff happens routinely. Oh, yeah. But the hospitals themselves can also get completely destroyed by the hurricanes. So that's another problem. Yeah. But, like, 
in Cleveland or in Colorado or anywhere else. Like that, that that's just how the private healthcare system is built, and that's unfortunate. Yeah. If it was, if it was at least government regulated, which it is to a big degree, but I, but you know what I mean. I'm talking like centralized healthcare and stuff like that. Then we probably wouldn't have issues as bad as this, which is something that nobody wants to agree on. But why? For whatever reason, because for some reason, socialized healthcare is terrible. Right. So I will say that with hospitals making as much money as they do, there are opportunities for better treatments and things like that to come out of it. Right. So it's not like it's all bad. I'm not saying it's 100% bad. I'm saying that it really just doesn't serve the purpose. Maybe we could have a situation where there is some, I don't know, but it would have to be, honestly, tax dollars should go to um, research and development of new new treatment methods, new medicines, new this, new that. Oh, yeah. Instead of leaving it up to people that just want your money. Exactly. And yeah. Not that I'm saying that I don't appreciate everything that nurses and stuff do. And it's no, not, yeah, I'm not even talking about that. And that's, and that's my biggest thing. I appreciate everything like doctors and nurses have been doing, especially over the past year. Pretty, it's crazy to think it's almost two, it's almost going to be two years dealing with this. But the problem is that everybody up above them is what is screwing over a lot of people trying to get medical attention that need medical attention. Right. Well, if anything, this is making more money for them. And the insurance companies aren't helping much either. No. Well, I mean, a lot of them are also in the pockets of each other. So, and there's not really so much of an incentive for them to do anything about it now because the government is just subsidizing a lot of this. So it's just, it's just free money. And it's pretty sick. Yeah. So just just a tiny bit. It pisses me off just ever so much. Right. (laughs) Luckily, I've not had to deal with it. I haven't been to the hospital. I can't remember how long. Yeah, same. I didn't even go to the hospital to get my vaccine. I just got it at this event center that they came to. Yeah, I mean, I got mine at the Wall Street Center. Right. Which, that's really weird going into when there's not an event going on. You're like, wow. Right. Um. So I didn't know that the great Kali had an Instagram. Oh. And he is just putting up videos of him just beating the shit out of The Undertaker. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's his birthday or something, but like he just, apparently he just actually doesn't like him. This guy's like 7'2", and is just taking like bathroom selfies and stuff. Yeah. It's really awkward. I don't know how to feel about it, but it's happening to me. <laughs> As an FYI. <laughs> so... So anyways, um, I guess we're going to see everybody next week. Yeah. Our next discussion. Hopefully we're going to have a, uh, we're going to have a guest on that time. Um, oh, okay. We're just going to slam gears now. Literally there's some dude in a Peterbilt, no trailer. He's just hammered down, hammering down. Aren't you not allowed to drive on that road? With the no, it's a, it's a county road now. So yeah, you're allowed to drive semi on it. Oh, what, he's, what just, it he's just jaybreaking in front of your house. Yeah, for no reason. Okay. (laughs) All right. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time. All right, we'll see you guys.